Hi, and welcome to The Tough Fish Show. I'm your host, Jen Milius, and I'm so glad that you're here. And before we get into the show, I want to invite you to visit jennifermilius.com forward slash start to get free resources focused on helping you to get your book and message out into the world. Choose what resonates and take steps towards being seen and heard, showing up at the table, owning your space, and sharing your book and message. And now let me welcome back and introduce to you Leslie Rasmussen. Leslie Rasmussen is the award-winning author of After Happily Ever After and The Stories We Cannot Tell. In the past, she's written TV sitcoms for Burt Reynolds, Roseanne Barr, Norm MacDonald, and many others. Leslie has also written over 20 essays for Huffington Post and has spoken on panels discussing empowering women in midlife. She is a member of the Writers Guild of America, as well as Women in Film and the Women's Fiction Writers Association. Leslie lives in Southern California and is married with two sons. Let's dive into the, the pond and meet Leslie. Welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I am so excited to welcome back my friend, Leslie Rasmussen. Leslie, thank you so much for being back on the show. Oh, thank you for having me my second time. It was fun the first time. <laughs> I am so glad you're here. And what has happened since we talked last? Because our last conversation was really about dialogue and character development and how that really came to play in um, Happily Ever or After Happily after. Ever After. <laughs> so how, how, what have you been doing since then? Oh, I've been very, very busy after that book came out and I did all the promos and all that kind of stuff. I was also writing my new book, which is The Stories We Cannot Tell. And I wrote that during COVID and uh, finished it and it's been published and it came out July 11th of this year. I love that. I love that. And, I, and it's interesting because, you know, to your point, writing through COVID that's a great space to have channeled some energy and figured out what am I going to, how can I spend this time? What can I do that will bring joy? And writing is a source of joy. Writing brings joy. It can be very cathartic. So did that space actually help you with your writing? The fact that things were shut down and things were, you know, just different in so many ways. It helped me a lot, actually, because there was a period of time where we were confined to our houses. And then all I was really doing is taking long walks with my husband and writing. And so I had so much time that I read a lot and I wrote a lot. Yeah, I actually liked all that. <laughs> I don't really want to be shut down again, but it was kind of nice that you couldn't, you didn't have any social obligations. You didn't have any obligations other than to just, you know, do whatever you want to do at your house. So yeah, it was really helpful. And the fact that we can be so connected through you know, through the internet. So you can have a Zoom conversation with an editor or designer or what have you, that it really, some forms of business really didn't slow down. Like in this space, you could have that Zoom conversation or you could hop on a quick call if you needed to, just to kind of smooth out the process. And then you could keep moving relatively speaking in some ways. Yeah, because I met so many people on Zoom and my first book after Happily Ever After was the uh, launch was on Zoom. So people could come from all over the country. My second launch wasn't. It was in a huge bookstore in West Hollywood, uh, one of the Barnes and Nobles. 
And I had so many people there, but they were all from Los Angeles, <laughs> you know, except for my mom and my sister who flew in. But other than that, everybody was from Los Angeles. But it was really, really nice. And to do something in person, yeah. because I did a little bit in person with the first book, but there weren't a lot of people. Everybody was afraid. So it was much more difficult. So what did it feel like between a virtual launch and an in-person launch? How did that feel like similar and how did it feel different? It felt really different. The virtual launch was very nice, but not as intimate because there was a lot of people on the screen, but they are on a screen. When I did the book launch in person, it was people from my childhood. My mom was there. My mom brought people that I knew when I grew up, a woman that my mom's 86 and she brought her kindergarten best friend. She brought some couples that I knew. I had people from high school. I had my book club was there. I had my workout. All the people I work out with came. It, you know, it was college friends. It was so intimate and nice, even though it was a lot of people. And the bookstore said, you know, we're buying 60 books. And I thought, oh my God, I have to sell 60 books. How's that going to ever happen? We sold 57 of them. So I was shocked and there were people standing in the back. It was really, really, it really warms my heart to have all these people come out for me. Yeah. That is awesome. What a great experience. And you're right. Like when you're able to be in person at an event like that, even when there are a lot of people there, it still feels more, it feels special because you do get to be able to make a connection. You do get to have a conversation with someone and it's with the two of you even when there's stuff going on around you you're still at least being able to have a few minutes just with that person hear their thoughts about you know why they were attracted to your book or what was who they might gift it to or have a question for you about your process or what have you I just think that that's such a cool such a great experience it is the only thing is nobody's read the book because they're all buying it there so they can't ask you questions about that. They can just ask you questions about your process. Mm-hmm. But I had a friend of mine who's an actress interview me and she was great. She'd never done it before. She never interviewed somebody like that. And it was really great. She was just asked such great questions. So yeah, it was really fun. But to your point though, if they've read book one, if you have a book one or book two, and then you've launched another book or another book in a whole different genre or what have you, if they start to have familiarity with you, it is a really cool thing when somebody comes up and says, you know, I read this and Mm -hmm. it was so cool. I was coming because I really want this new one. That's such a neat feeling too. So it is. And I've also found some of the reviews on this book were people that didn't know me and they wrote, oh, I like this book so much. I'm going to go buy her first book. So that made me feel really good too. That's a total compliment. Yes. Yes. I, I love that so much. I I love how you're showing here how the beauty of writing more than one book, they -hmm. really kind of play off of each other. Even if people read them out of order, even if people, you know, find one book, you know, the later, you know, the, the newest book, and then they realize, oh, you have this whole entire inventory. You've just created a, a new new person who wants to be in your world because they yeah. read one piece and said, I need more. <laughs> yes, I please. Found that with authors. I found an author and fell in love with them and they have like 10 books and I'll go back and read all of them because I like their style of writing. And yes. that's what I'm hoping because both my books, even though one is about a 45 year old and the other one is about two 30 year olds, 
their style is the same. There's humor, there's some heartbreaking moments. So, you know, somebody who reads one could go back and read another one and say, okay, I get the style. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that so much. So let's chat a little bit about the publishing process because that's something that can feel a bit unnerving to a writer, even if they've published one in one path for one book and maybe they go, but I think I want to try something different for book two. Do you think that that's a bad thing or do you think they should stay with the the first choice that they made with book one? I think it really depends. I think if you are somebody that's with the big five and your book is going to be put in 36,000 bookstores immediately and sell millions of copies, I would stay with that. <laughs> but as when I was going to be a debut author for After Happily Ever After, I did go the route of querying agents and looking at small publishers and I couldn't get anywhere. And I got frustrated pretty quickly. Unfortunately, I probably should have gone longer, but I didn't because I wanted the book to come out and I didn't know what else to do. And then I went to a conference and heard about hybrid publishers, which I didn't know anything about hybrid publishers at the time. And what that means is you pay money to the publisher and they make sure your book comes out, they do the cover, but you have, you get to keep all your rights for everything. So you get to keep your audio rights and you can sell those separately and you get to keep your film and TV rights, but it is very expensive. And what I didn't know about that process is you give them an initial amount of money, which was a lot. And then after that, you are required to pay for the printing of the books. You really do everything for the books because in that first amount of money is your cover and the formatting. But then they ask you to pay somebody there to edit it. So you're paying that. And then after that, um, I did the proofreading on it, but you are required to pay for all the printing. And people don't realize how expensive it is to print books. <laughs> and so I was kind of shocked by that process. But what you do get, and the huge thing you get is you get like so much more attention you get a project manager and you always have somebody to communicate with. And that's because you have so much skin in the game that you do that. Now, the other side of that is they also, they don't have skin in the game because they're not paying for anything, but they are getting your royalties. So it's very difficult sometimes to put out that much money. And then you're also giving them part of the money from the book that you paid for and everything else. So there is a frustrating part of it but through this hybrid, I met a huge community of people, huge community of women. And to me, that was worth all the money because these women support each other. They buy your books, you buy their books. So you already have this built-in audience of people who want to help you out. So that was really great. Um, then after that one, when my I was writing the second book and I was going to publish the second book, I wanted to not give out a lot of money. I was like, you know what? I paid so much money. You don't really see it coming back to you. You With promotion and everything else, it's going to take years to make your money back mm -hmm. from hybrid. So I started looking at small publishers and I had a few that wanted to publish the book, but I had to look at what they were offering because with a small publisher, they're paying for everything. 
So you don't have as much control. I did have control over my cover, which was great. And I kept my title. That's my title. But you don't have as much control. And so it makes it a lot harder. So when you look at the contract, you're realizing you're probably making maybe like 75 cents a book because most contracts, they're making the tremendous amount of money, which I do understand. So the positive is you're not paying money. The negative is a lot of those companies, if you go with a small publisher, are really, really small. And when they're that small, they don't have other people working for them. So you don't get as much attention. And again, this is a generalization because I don't know about all small publishers, but mostly they don't have the money to promote your book. So you're still doing all the promotion and you don't usually, as far as I know, at least this publisher, I didn't have a project manager. So it was a lot harder. You have thousands of authors trying to get a hold of the same person you know, the same people. And so they get ma massive amounts of emails. So you don't get the attention that you get when you give a lot of money for your book. <laughs> so that is like one of the things that I noticed about very small publishers. But you know, what I'm hearing is the, the communication piece. I'm hearing a community element that was so important. And that community, especially what you were saying where everybody in that particular hybrid was supporting each other, buying each other's books and stuff, but they also had a genuine interest in it too, mm -hmm. which also meant not only buying each other's books, genuinely interested as a reader also, but then there's a potential for networking and cross-promotional efforts or just that camaraderie of growing your collective platforms and not seeing each other as competition and yeah. seeing each other as allies, as as teammates to all work towards a similar goal. And what I'm hearing is really a lot of communication being important, you know, to have like strong communication skills, asking for what you need and, and staying on top of it too. Like the author needing to have strong project management skills as well, even though when you yeah. set out and you're a writer, you're thinking, I need to have really great writing skills, communication skills like that. I didn't realize I needed all this, all these other business skills too. You're a debut author. You don't know anything. So I had to learn through other people. When I got to my second book, I knew how things worked. So I, you know, and there's a lot of debut authors that are with small publishers and they don't know that they have to do certain things. So it does, you know, it is hard when you're a debut author. So I feel like hybrids, at least mine, walked me through a lot of it that taught me a lot. And so did the people. And at the small publisher, there is a community of people who are very, very nice. It's just a smaller community. And so, you know, they have the Facebook groups that we all are part of and all that kind of stuff. But like three of the authors from my second publisher um, they showed up at my book launch because oh, they, they lived in Los Angeles where I am and they showed up, which was so nice. And so we do help each other and we are constantly doing that. And I still am on there, with, especially with debut authors saying, don't do this or do this or whatever. But yeah, the community is the thing that's really helpful. So I would love for you to share what you have guided debut authors, you know, what are some do's that you recommend for them? And what are some do nots or rather be careful of? Well, be careful of for sure. There's so many people out there 
that I hate to use the word prey, but they're preying on authors because authors want to promote their books. So you get a lot of these people that show up out of nowhere that say, I found your book and I read it and I love it and I want to review it. Oh, by the way, it costs you this amount of money. And anybody who comes out of the woodwork or contacts you off your website, they're probably not great at what they do. Let's put it that way. They're probably looking to get money from you because the really good people usually don't have to go out and try to find you, you find them. So usually what I tell authors is I, I try to help them also with don't spend your money on this. This is something that's, you know, people will tell you you have to do. After you've done it, you're going to realize you didn't get anything from it. And it's very expensive. So I try to help them with promoting a lot of that stuff. And also just little things like if they're asking questions about getting an outside editor or questions about the actual process of what to expect, you know, when are you going to get your cover? When are you going to get your galleys? When do you send out arcs? How do you get reviewers enough ahead of time and who requires the book six months ahead of time and who's okay with you getting it three months ahead of time? Things like that. And don't ever send out a draft that isn't a hundred percent because I did that. I did. I will say I did that. And I thought, oh, I got to get it out quickly. And I sent it out and I was like, oh my God, I reread it and found stuff and thought, oh, and then I had friends saying, oh, you know, you forgot to mention this and this didn't go here. I'm like, oh my God. So I had to pull the book back. So I've learned that I don't care how ADHD you are and you want to get it out there. Don't do it. Because those are the things that I think people just get excited and they want to get it out there fast. But one thing that I think is a strong do, something that really just spoke to me earlier of what you said, and just that, I mean, you lit up when you mentioned it too, was this group that you connected with to build community with writers as well as your readers and such. That when you recognize a writer is a reader, that's one thing. But recognizing that writers other writers are in the same boat as you are. You're in different spaces. You might be learning different things, but you can work together as a way to help build each other up and lift each other up. Like, I love the fact that at your in-person signing, three yeah. local authors at the same publisher came to support. I think that's beautiful. I love that. I I do that myself here in, this, in yeah. my area. So I love that. Would you talk a bit more about figuring out your community and how to be part of one. Well, when I worked in television, people were very competitive and they would, even people who you loved outside of television, but when you were in that room, it was a very competitive room. And so I didn't expect when I started writing, I thought, oh, authors are probably going to be competitive. They're not, at least the ones I found are not. I'm sure there's some out there that are, but it, when I was with the hybrid, we put together in 2021, when a lot of our books were coming out, we put together what we called a cohort and we met on Zoom uh, once a month. We still meet every other month, even though a lot of us have either gone to other publishers or have our second book or aren't even writing. Some of them aren't even writing, but we still show up for each other, whether it's just to talk or just to support because we all still have books out there. And then what I found is really helpful is follow other writers even if you don't know them, go onto Facebook, go onto Instagram, see who's talking and follow them and comment on what they're saying. 
And I found some of those people who I have never met, I have never had a conversation with, are writing me now and saying, I just bought your book. I can't wait to read it. Because we have a relationship online and they can see how hard I'm working to push my book. And I'm trying to promote their books and I'm reading their books and, you know, doing reviews because reviews are so important to authors and people read books all the time and they don't think about going on to Amazon or Barnes and Noble or any of these and putting up a review. I mean, only if you like the book, if you don't like the book, don't review it <laughs> because it doesn't help. But the reviews coming in for stories we cannot tell have made me feel so good. And they're overwhelmingly great reviews. And they're from people, some of them are from people I know, and but a lot of them are from strangers or people that I know through Facebook that I don't really know. Those people that I've never had a Zoom with, never had a private conversation with, but they're buying the book. And I do that for them too. So there's this community of people, because writing is such a solo act, there's a community of people that keep you moving just because they're moving. So it's not a competition, but you see what they're doing. You're thinking like, oh, I got to start another book. I got to do this or, you know, learning from them. It's really important. I love that. And I love that you mentioned the reviews, like the fact that reviews really, they do matter. They do. And they matter in the sense that they help other people. It helps to draw attention for more people who might be interested in your book so that information gets in front of them because when you think about it and there's you know, millions of books out there, like every day there's new books coming out. So when your book comes out and you're really excited, it feels like a really big thing. And then when you have all these readers who are reading other pieces and who might read yours too, if they just knew, that means you do need to be talking about it. So going back to that community, it does help because you are, you know, you can work with each other to help build each other up to get your books in front of each other's spaces. You are doing the in-person events to help do a little, to be more present in other areas and people coming into that store go, Oh, that's interesting. Let me go check, check what's going on. What's happening over there. And I might like this. Let me get this. Right. So, I mean, what I'm hearing is so many different ways of getting that visibility, whether it is with the review, because a review helps with that but so do these other things too. You can use them all for promotion too. So every time you win an award or every time you get a really good review that you know you can take a blurb out of, you can put it on with the book. And if people see it, then they think, oh, wow, this person said this about the book. Or you know, what I personally like to do when I look at book reviews is I like to look sometimes at the, the ones that are not positive. Because a lot of times the ones that aren't positive are for the most ridiculous reasons. I mean, people will write, oh, the book came from Amazon and it was torn. And they will give the author a one star. And I've seen it many times. And I'm thinking they didn't even read the book. And so people also need to realize that when they put a review up, unless there's a really good reason to give it two or one stars, realize somebody spent a lot of time on that. And they worked really hard and they're not trying to put out a book that this person doesn't like. I mean, I've, you know, had people tell me like on the first book, somebody didn't like the book. It was like, they yelled at me because the woman flirts with having an affair. You know, she had an emotional affair. And the woman said, anything that has an affair, I'm gonna give it one star. I can't believe you did. 
that's a personal thing. You know, that's not about the book or the writing. So when I read a book I don't like, I find something in it that I liked, whether it's a character, whether it's a visual of whatever, you know, if it's quirky things, whatever it is. And I'll put a review up and I'll say, this was such a great character or mm -hmm. something positive, because I know being an author, how hard we work on those books. Yes. I love the fact that you can find something positive. And to your point about a visceral reaction to a character's demeanor, behavior, you know, what have you, then that character is actually pretty well developed because yeah. for the reader to have a reaction that's like, I do not like this character. They're a bully or they, they have no integrity or how could that person ever do something like that? Yeah. Oh, that means that author did a great job developing the character because the reader has now had a real reaction. You don't have to like every character. You just want them to be relatable in the sense that you can kind of go, oh, or, oh, I love them. But exactly. either way, you have, to, that's a good character. So in its own way, that's kind of a nice compliment. Yeah. It just meant that person, that wasn't the right book for that reader. Exactly. And for the stories we cannot tell, some of the reviews, well, a lot of the reviews have talked about how it affected them both. They laughed and they cried. To me, that is the biggest compliment in the world. If I can make somebody laugh and cry in the same book, I'm thrilled. Because then I've affected somebody in some yes. way. Yes, yes, I love that. I, I, I love that you've said that because it also shows the poignancy. It's a cathartic process to write, and when you have spent so much time with it, you want it to have a connection, and that's why there is each author puts in so much effort to say what publishing path to choose. Is it do I go this path? Do I go that path? Which also means that you know, looking at each book as an entity to say, what's right for this book in this mm. space for me right now, that's okay to do something different. I mean, if you have a contract that says you have multiple books to that place before you can do something else, obviously honor what you have legally, but I'm saying each book might need something a little different. Which is why I didn't want a contract that said you need to give us five books or whatever, because I know people that do that, because you don't know what that process is going to be like the first time you work with that publisher. My first book really worked perfectly for a hybrid. My second book, I really wanted a certain kind of publicity because of the topic and women's issues and fertility and pregnancy. And I knew that this book needed to be with a small publisher because I didn't know if a hybrid would get me the publicity that I ended up getting. Like I was on NPR, I was on XM radio. I've had all these interviews about the subject of the book. And so I knew, and this book was like my heart. I really wanted it to get out there and hit, you know, women who could relate to it and understand that they're not alone. And so that's why I picked that. My third book that I'm working on, I might self-publish. There's so much about self-publishing right now. I have tons of friends who are self-publishing their second book and they're having a blast because they have full control over everything. And they get all the money besides what, you know, Amazon takes their piece, Barnes and Noble, take whatever bookstore, but they're just having so much fun having the control to get on their own Amazon page, change stuff on their own Amazon page, which you cannot do 
when you're with any type of publisher, hybrid or self-publisher, I mean, or a, a small publisher. But if you're a self-publisher, you have access to everything, numbers, how much you're selling, everything. So I'm kind of thinking maybe the third book I'll self-publish and see what that's like. I love that. I, I love that. And I love that you that you're showing that there's different ways to go about it, the pros, the cons, the things, and maybe cons, not even always the right word, as much as the things to think about. There are good things. And then there's some other challenges that you go, but all of it are things to think about so that you can make the best decision for yourself in that space and for that book and recognize that it's all going to be great learning. And you do it again with your next book because you're a writer and there's more things you need to say. There's more stories you need to create. So it's another space to be able to go learn and grow with book two or book three or book 10. Right. Exactly. And that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. You know, I'll see when the third book is done because right now it's, I'm so busy promoting this one that <laughs> the third one is a little behind, but when it's done and then I'll see exactly what it is and then I'll say, okay, do I want to do the small publisher route or do I want to self-publish? And right now I'm sort of heading towards self-publishing. I love that. Leslie, this has been absolutely awesome. Where can people connect with you? Where can they get your books? How can they stay in your world? Uh, they can connect with me on my website at lesliearasmussen.com. They can follow me on Instagram at Leslie R. Author. I'm on Facebook at Leslie A. Rasmussen Author. And they can get my books anywhere. They're on the regular Barnes & Noble, Amazon, everywhere. And uh, you can order it at a small independent bookstore. Um, I know that it's slowly going into libraries, but it's been out not very long. So it's only been out for a month. So I think the libraries take longer. But uh, yeah, or you could request it at your library and then they'll just buy it. <laughs> that sounds awesome thank you so much for being back on the show thank I had you. such a blast with you <laughs> me too this was great thank you so much thanks again for listening today I'm so glad you were here I'd love to hear what resonated with you from this episode so connect with me on Instagram at author Jennifer Milius and let me know your book, your message, your body of work is worth sharing, and you are the right person and the only one who can share it. Keep writing and keep putting yourself out there because the people who need to hear your message the most are waiting for you. They are waiting for you to step up to your next level of genius so they can have the impact they're meant to because you inspired them. I'll see you soon.